Abba Yahweh, <laughs> thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank God, you just pour out over me. And I ponder, how am I so deserving? I'm not. You do it out of grace. You do it because you love me. You do it because I believe. You do it because of my faith. <clears throat> and just because you are who you are, Father. John tells us that you are love. What you do is not because it's the right thing to do and that you're a, a magnanimous God, but you are. But because you are love, you are good, you are graceful. These things are all your components, Father. And you created us. You love us. And you give me the opportunity to speak about you, your word, your truth, your knowledge, and the wisdom that you pour out onto me. Father, thank you for blessing me so mightily. The opportunity to share your truth, Father God, from your word, Father. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. So, I love the continuity that God throws, and many are not able to see it because they're not listening or they're they're fretting by, about so many things. And um, you know, my reading this morning just sort of weaves in. This is the way God does things, and this is not a he serializes or ordinates steps that we take. And I mean, it's, it's here. You see it. You have to open your eyes and you have to open your ears to be able to understand what I'm saying. But, and I'm talking spiritually wise, not physicality. But you have to see that it's real, it's true, and the steps are are there being guided by the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, ah, you know, what? because you're trying to figure things out with a finite mind, okay? Remember that God's word explains to us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His love is deeper than our love and that you can possibly imagine. All right, let's come back to the beginning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, we touch on Enoch, so I'm gonna go back up to. Uh, I'm gonna go back up to Genesis five and six, and it talks about Enoch, and that <laughs> that people were living quite a long time back there. Now you see that uh, Enos. was having children at 815 years old. And he did not leave this existence until he was 905 years old, and then he died. <clears throat> but the point that I'm making or trying to head to is that Enoch was the son of Jared. That's where I got my oldest son's name, by the way. Just throw that out there. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years, and he begat Methuselah, who, if anybody recognizes that name, that's the oldest living recorded man that lived, Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And This is um, it was a thing that that 
people don't touch on or relate to, but he just walked and walked home with God. He was God's friend. He was enjoying walks with God. But here's the other thing too, that we're not talking necessarily about physicality, that they went out and they walked down the street or they walked around the garden or they, you know, like he, he used to do that with Adam and Eve before the fall. And understand this too, that when that took place, it didn't just affect our lives, but the fall affected everything that God created and touched and then had become besmirched and degraded. So trees didn't used to wither. Trees didn't used to lose their leaves. And the seasonal changes didn't occur as they do now. But the fall affected everything. And it talks about the groanings of the earth because of that. And the groanings would be, you know, it's kind of like you uh, you just get up and you start stretching and moving and, you know, there's earthquakes all over the place and you have all these things going on. But before any of that happened, there was God's way. He made everything and he made it so he could come and be with what he created. But then there was that issue of the free will choice that he created. But if there was not an opportunity to go a different direction, which was given to them, and by the wiles of the serpent, for he's crafty, Satan is crafty. He's also very diligent. He won't give up. But understand this too, that Satan, for the most part, doesn't think that we are worth his personal effort because he's high and mighty Satan. But that's his thought, his arrogance. So he sends his minions to do his work. But now see Jesus on the other hand, Jesus is the only begotten son of God. And he was coming down and he was going to, he was going to show Jesus. He personally went, he, he just, the minions said, oh, we got it, we got it. We got a boss. No, you don't. Because you don't understand. This is the son of God. He is God. He is of God. He was from the beginning. This is the word of God we're talking about. I'm going myself. Not once, not twice, but three times, Satan tried to get Jesus to turn. And three times, the Lord reached into the Lagos and he pulled Rema for each time that Satan tried to stab and he parried that thrust with his sword that he drew from the army. Thus it is written, thus it is written, the word of God says in his truth. And Satan's like, okay, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And off he went. <clears throat> Didn't give up though. Because he went into the stirrings of the hearts of men. Got into their minds. And his minions came continually. And many fell. Many walked away, some to the point of betraying the Lord, Jesus. And then others came in. And I mean, examine this a little bit. Jesus Christ came for our sake. He came for me. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know he came for me. That's abundantly clear. Yes, I make it personal. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Jesus. God's my God. I have faith in him. My Holy Spirit. 
And each and every one of, this is the beauty of this thing. Each and every one of us can do the very same thing. God desires a personal relationship with us. To make that personal, what do you do? You pray, you talk to God, you believe he's there, you have faith in him. And you see his might and his majesty and his glory and everything. The last two days, the sunset and the clouds, oh my goodness. And the things that God does up there. And then, of course, my, my heart gets sad because there are people that look around and they will use the excuse and it will happen. Well, God, I, I didn't know. How could you not? Did you not look around you and see the mountains that I pushed up with my fingers? Did you not feel the wind in your face when I breathe over the face of the earth? Did you not hear me and the thunders and the songs of the birds? Did you not see me in the flowers of the field? You didn't know. I'm saddened by this. And there's a lot of people that take so much. Not only that, they don't only take God for granted. And this is what people are doing when they say, well, Battle, there, there's no battle. It, you, don't, it, you know, the Holy Spirit's got this. The Holy Spirit will take care of everything. And no, the Holy Spirit will tell you which battles that we're to fight. And he'll tell us the direction and how to do it. But why would God make us a suit of armor or describe it that way if there was not a reason? And why does the word of God also explain that we are in a spiritual battle? We are in spiritual warfare. Satan desires that we perish and have eternity away from God because he knows what was there. He's insanely jealous and he wants to drive a wedge of derision between us and God and not only between God, but he wants his creation separated and warring all the time. Do you not think this is grieves God to look and see the things that he does? Do you think that God doesn't feel these things? Where do you think that your emotions come from? Your emotions come from God because there is a piece of him in every single one of us. And that includes the desires. Brothers and sisters, (laughs) and this is how Satan operates and manipulates. And I'm gonna flip over to pornography because so many people are affected by this and it becomes this world. The desires between a man and a woman were put in us by God. And those were meant to be shared with each other. When God brings us together and men and women do that, but then but then you got the wiles of the serpent who's got to slither his way in and get in between, pardon me, and that it becomes darkened. And Paul also writes, too, later on in his writing. And I think this is kind of a... And and let me share this with you, too. You think that that problem only exists now? Uh, No. There were red light districts back in the time. Some cities called them the Red Quarter. And where... They had special little clubs and they had special nights and where women would operate and work. It's been in existence for a very long time. What's what's that term that the, what's that term? The oldest profession in the world? (laughs) The oldest, where someone got paid for their services might even say it was the first 
I'm sharing this because things started way, way long ago. In a land far away. <laughs> Sorry, I started slipping into humorous, but, um, and God doesn't mind that, by the way. God's got a really good sense of humor, I might add. And if you find that hard to believe, just take a look at the duck-billed platypus. He'll show you there. But let's go back into Genesis. And I have a side note, and I forgot I wrote this in here, that... Um, that the name Enos, that's an important Enos. Why is that important? Because Enos was basically the beginner of the generation that began to worship God. <coughs> In his generation, kind of think that he might have led that a little bit. Not certain because the word of God didn't stay specifically that Enos did that, but Enos and that generation and, and down into Enoch, who just simply took a walk with God and went to heaven. Just walked home with God. Wow, what a powerful thought to just walk home with God just went walking and sharing and talking with each other. And then God says, hey, I'm going to head home. Why don't you come with me? And Enos says, really? He says, I've been walking around here for 800 and some odd years. Or Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go with you. Yes, yes, I'll walk home with you. And they just walked into heaven. But here is the thing too, brothers and sisters, that we will be greeted when we physically leave this plane of existence. Because remember that we will, and since Jesus Christ, the anointed of God, Jesus, came and rested the keys, he just reached out and he took the keys of death away from Satan, who held those keys tightly for a long time. Because here's one of, the, one of the main purposes, and people feared to die. They were afraid to die. They didn't want to go to die. And you see, you see this in films all the time. And then you see the main character ask the other main character, are you afraid? Yes, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't want to die. I don't want to go. I don't, want to, I don't know what's going to happen. And then they start this big emotional dramatic thing. There's no reason to fear death at all. No, no reason really to, to be fearful. Things frighten us. God gets that. But the thing of it is, is that there's no reason to be fearful. <clears throat> no reason to be fearful. And, <clears throat> pardon me. So you have to understand that God knows that, but his desire is for us not to be that. His desire is for us to be walking and talking and sharing with him. But the fall kept that away. And, and here's other, in chapter six of Genesis. Wow. After all these things and these generations and generations and the generation of Enos is the first time that people were realizing that God is there, that God did this, that God created and they started to worship God, realizing that it's not just somebody that is talked about. He's someone who's talked to and he's someone who is worthy of being worshiped because he created all things, Abba Yahweh. But Yahweh, the name Yahweh. When Moses came into existence, 
much later on down the road, is when he asked God, he said, who should I tell him sent me? Who should I tell him sent me to get them and do these things? And God simply said, I am. You tell them I am sent you. The Ancient of Days sent Moses, and that's, they didn't call God, God. And the name Yahweh is the first name that God gave Mammon permission to use for him. The first name, Yahweh, the maker of all things made. And then, of course, Mammon later on, they call him names like Hashim, your Lord. And the names that I've shared, the list, I, I have these written down in the front of my, my Bible. I, I love these things. I also have scripture down there where you can find the example of these things. But you have Yahweh, I am, Jehovah, Adonai, Egebor, Elohika, Elohinu. Elohim, El Olam, El Shaddai. I love the sound of that. El Shaddai, Adonai, El Rey. All sufficient God, the King who sees me. Like Hagar declared. Mm. Sorry, I get carried away and I get excited. This is where my verbosity comes in. I just, I, mm. Elion, Hosinu, Shire, Mikadishkem, Nisi, Rafa, Rohi. Ah, there's an important one right there. Lord, my shepherd. Sabbath, the Lord of hosts, Shalom, Lord of my peace, Shema. My Lord is present, he's here. Siddiquenu, Lord my righteousness. God has a lot of names, but Yahweh was the one that he first gave man permission to use. And all these things that God presents and made for us, and even through the blessing, but here's, hmm. and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Wow. And that time, this is prior to the flood. God was saddened to the point of realization that every time he turned around, that the infestation that came from the fall of Adam and Eve and had just brought, allowed that, um, that door to be opened. But he found that Noah was a good man, a good heart, and was like those of old that used to walk with God. So he gave Noah instruction to build an ark and that Noah and his family would be saved and that continue. And then it happened again. And then you have the likes of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> and you think that this world is what it is. Now you look around, you see, I see this stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to be perfectly honest and straight up right out front with this. If I'm, it's good that I'm not God because if I was, there would be so much difference here. There would be none of this. I, I the world wouldn't be here. I'd have, I'd have blown this already. <laughs> No, but see, that's the way it is because we don't think the way God thinks. 
What did God do? He gave us an opportunity to be saved <laughs> and that Jesus came for us, that, that God came down to walk with us and Jesus came as his only begotten son. And you have to have this visual. You have, see, this is because mammon, they get things so muddled up. Yes, we do. And yes, I am drinking my coffee. Um, but here's the thing. Jesus Christ came down here. Anointed of God, Jesus came here because he said, I will do what we must do to save this creation, these things that we love so much. And... There are even Christians that, or let me, <laughs> what's the terminology? Because they're not Christian. If they don't believe that Jesus Christ came and is capable of being one of the mysteries of the working of God, capable of being 100% the son of God and part of God and 100% being human, then you need to get, back and deeper in the world, word. Because Jesus Christ did not just walk around here with his disciples, teaching scripture, teaching the word, teaching what he already knew that he brought with him from heaven and his knowledge. He didn't just walk around turning water into wine and healing the leopards, healing the blind and doing all these things just because he could. And he wasn't doing so elevated to a place six or eight inches off the ground so that his feet didn't get dirty or anything like that. Jesus Christ sweat in the heat. He got thirsty. He got hungry. He got dusty. He got dirty. He dirtied his hands. And sometimes, as I've shared, on the days that he left the disciples, they were wondering where he went. Just days, He just wanted to get away from them, actually. And you can, as you read through the scripture, you see why. They were arguing back and forth amongst themselves of who is the greatest and who is this and who is that? Well, I'm this and I'm that and we should do this and we should do that. And constantly trying to tell Jesus, Peter, oh, did I just drop a dime? Yeah, I did. Um, tell Jesus how it ought to be. The son of God. And the thing of it is that the introduction for them always, as it is with many of us, and then trying to tell God how it will be or how we want it to be and how we need it this way. No, you don't. You want it that way, but the need is not there. God knows your needs. I've shared this with you before. I look around here and see what I don't have. What impresses me most about that is that everything I need is here. I would want to have some other things, but everything I need is right here. God provides for my needs. And graciously, he even gives me and shares extra with me. But the point of this, brothers and sisters, is that we need to not fret and worry. This goes right along exactly with what I was sharing the last two episodes. Worrying and carrying the turmoil and tumult and all that's around there. But here's the thing, too. Don't close your eyes and don't be as many of these, and I'm going to use the phrase naysayers because they don't believe that there's spiritual warfare that is going on and that there's no reason for us to be in a battle. However, the Bible tells us that we are and that we must be prepared for it. And these are those that are being absorbed into that white noise. And the white noise comes in a, in a subtle way many times, oftentimes, and will actually infect the very elect to the point that they will either walk away or they will deny that things are there that God has already told us about, and they start to be in denial. There are those that will, they don't read the New Testament, they only believe in the Old Testament, and that the New Testament doesn't really apply, I, I just get baffled sometimes. And then there are those that only read the Old Testament because Jesus Christ came and nothing before him matters, except that God tells us that we need to stay in the word. He doesn't say, just like he said, for God so loved the world. God was not specific about a color tone 
or a certain ethnic ethnicity, a caste level. None of that mattered. God is not a respecter of any man or woman. Doesn't care what your color is. He didn't care what you have, what you own, what you smell like, what you look like. That doesn't matter to God. The character of the heart matters to God. So we have to be aware of this all the time. That's all that matters to God. And so many are looking for other things. They don't, they don't want to be <coughs> in the New Testament. Jesus changed everything, except that Jesus Christ is, was from the beginning with God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. Jesus Christ is the Word from the beginning. And he promises he'll be with us to the end. Oh, excuse me, there in his speech itself, it was from the beginning to the end. So you go from the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, which incidentally, so you know, here's a little biblical information and some trivia. Genesis was not actually the first book written. And it's not the oldest book in the Bible. That's in the scripture. It's there. Um, but you go from Genesis to Revelation, front to the back. Jesus Christ was with God from the beginning and he promises he'll be with us to the end, front to back. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Always with us. So the rule of faith is that you read the Bible to the end and then you go back and you start again or you go back and you start using the Old Testament with the New Testament and the New Testament with the Old Testament. It's an intertwining cord. So those that want to separate everything are limiting and what they're doing is ultimately putting a limit on God. And they're missing certain things that they need to have. An instruction manual is designed so that all the contents, and even when there was some equipment and things that I had to engineer when I was in the military, and I would go back to the beginning because there was something indicating in what was the problem was that I could fix, but it wasn't in the advanced portion. So I'd go back to the front portion and I'd find the answer, what I was looking for, or I could put it relative to what was later in the manual. The Bible is our instruction manual. It's our key to our existence. The Holy Bible, the truth, the word of God from his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. Wisdom is a collection of knowledge that is able to be shared and imparted to other people. Knowledge and wisdom are uh, not synonymous because you can be very knowledgeable and not wise at all. Have no common sense whatsoever. I have, I have. <laughs> yeah, I've met, I've met some folks like that in my life really knowledgeable and they have a lot of information, but they have no wisdom. They don't know how to apply any of that knowledge and they just go around throwing up. Some people might run into those individuals. It's okay because there may or may not come a time where they'll be able to tie that knowledge together and then they start learning to be wise. And one of the things that I, I love the fact that God... And I know that God honors my prayers. And he heeds and shares. He pours out his blessings on me because I prayed the prayer of Shabbos. I know that I've caused pain and things that have taken place in this world. I know that as Shabbos. He knew that he caused pain in his childbirth and he didn't want to be that cause anymore. So he asked God to bless him so that he could bless others. God honored that prayer. And Shabazz became a very wealthy man, not only with land and all that, but, stuff, but monetarily as well. And he bestowed blessings on other people. And here's the thing that you have to understand, that mammon has even taken gift giving to the extreme, and it's, it's disgusting actually that, and I'll, yeah, okay, here's that term again. So if you want to get offended, you go ahead and do it because that's what you're looking for anyway. But millennial age, they expect everything to be handed. Now, I'm not going to say that's 100% because there are some from that, that time frame that are not that way. 
They're actually very respectful, and they they and they and they learn. But there are many that have become so arrogant, and they just expect things to be handed to them. Now, you want to get all twisted, get your knickers in a twist about it. Fine, get it get it twisted in a knot, and then have a good seat because. Hang on, because the ride's not over. Yes, they are arrogant, rude, obnoxious. They have all the answers. They have no real knowledge. They go by hearsay, and whatever this machination is that they hold in their hand, that's got all the answers. I don't need anything else. Excuse me? See, this is part of that derisiveness that Satan works in. The prince of the air uses the broad bandwidth that travels through the air to separate those that walk here that God created. Uses that to drive derision. And they believe that everything on this gizmo is the truth. The media, I already shared with you, the media has released this video, then they're telling everybody that, oh, it's a Russian airplane that's battling the Ukrainian forces on the ground. It's not. It wasn't even involving a Russian aircraft because those of us that spent time in the military <clears throat> and are, pardon me, and are aware of what the aircraft is capable of and does recognize that it was called the A-10 Warthog. We recognize it to be that thing. We were taught in the military to have the knowledge to be able to tell by, by Aerial silhouettes, because you can't physically see and you don't always have binoculars, but the silhouettes and the way the aircraft operates and manipulates itself and or the pilot manipulates the aircraft, you're able to recognize. And you learn these things. But here, many of these younger folks, everything is handed to them. It's given to them. And that's what they have come to expect. I have watched some of these children, and many are not children as we physic in the physicality, but they're young adults. But I've watched these children lay down. I had one lost a, a, over a 3000 some dollar laptop. He'd put it and then tried to put the onus on somebody else for not seeing that somebody had taken it. And then finally just shrugged his shoulders and said, Mom, Dad, just give me another one. And then walked away from it and realized that he set it down, didn't have enough respect for it, that they would just get him another one. Wow. So, yeah, things that are going on out here are sad God, and he repented of the creation. But, you know, it saddens me, but we still need to pray one for another. Uplift one another. Exhort one another. Share. And I will be about my father's business until he says, okay, you're done. Come on home. You, you did good. And the only thing, I want others to have the opportunity. I have a, I have a lost brother who is so caught up in his anger. Assaultive. <laughs> I know this. Um, and he's my brother. He's my earthly brother, half-brother. But still, uh, what is that? He's my earthly brother. And my desire is that he would repent and know and we would be able to see each other once again and that he doesn't spend eternity in hell and perish. And everyone I want to have the opportunity, this is why I... I this is why God gave me this. <clears throat> First of all, he knows that I am verbose and that I have the gift of gab. Thank you, Father. But it's true. I get into this, I get wound up and I get going and I like to talk about the things of God. <clears throat> and there are those that are not interested, but just like Jesus, when he sent the disciples out, he said, if there's no one that's accepting, turn and stomp your feet, knock the dust off your feet and walk away. Don't be confrontational. You don't have to get in an argument with somebody and try to prove your point to them about things. And there are those individuals that will not let go of something. They tell you everything's okay. They tell you to your face that things are okay, but their actions belie the truth. They are bound in the past and they are bound on things that happened before. They'll tell you right to your eyes and look you right in the face and say, eh, it's okay. 
There's a song that was, I can't remember who sings it. It's called Backstabbers or, you know, smile in your face. But all this time they're backstabbing. They talk about you behind you. And the Bible tells us not to be of that nature. But all these things are going on. But here's the thing. And this is great. It's in the Bible. Refuse to worry. What is worrying going to do? And Jesus told his disciples when they were running amok and they were getting all this stuff. And we find this in the book of Luke. Luke 12, when Jesus is teaching. And Luke 12, um, 25 through 26. Very specific scripture. And it's important because... <laughs> Here's, here's the physician of the group that is talking about these things. Very detail-oriented guy, him and Matthew. Actually, probably the most educated, pardon me, the most educated. Oh, I can't say that because uh, Nathaniel was an architect. He had to go to school and learn, and he learned other languages. Then he had Matthew, and then he had Luke. <clears throat> you had those that were, I can't remember what was specific that Mark was, but you had these men that walked with Jesus, not only learning the word, but they were also educated. Still taken from in and God and following God. And then you have, not to detract from any of them, but then you have the fishermen, you have these other individuals, but you have Luke and Matthew and Nathaniel. These guys are educated guys. But here's what Luke is talking about. And 12, when Jesus is talking to him, and Luke notes this down a little more detail, Matthew and, and uh, Luke 1, 2, and, and uh, here we go, 12, 25 through 26. And uh, so, I, this passage is pretty good. It actually goes, you know, it's worth reading the whole thing, but specifically, back and forth and back and forth and the guy is worrying about where to put this fruit and how to store this and how to keep this and where can I put this or how can I do that and then uh, you know and then the then man says and I'll say to my soul thou hast much goods and set up for many years sit back eat drink and be merry but God said unto him thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You have men and women that run around this world and I've heard this statement made. Yeah, I'm going to have the most toys when I get done. I win. What do you win, you fool? You fool. Just like God said, you fool. You men and women that run around out there with, and, and collecting all these toys... They're desirous, they're nice, they're pretty, and many people want to have what? So people can look at you and say, man, I wish I had that. That's exactly what we're told not to do. But they get envious of those that have it. So what? I see these people that ride around in these, uh, you know, I think the cheapest Tesla you can buy is over $100,000. I think the cheapest one starts at one hundred fifty. And they ride these things around and, you know, they don't obey any of the laws. And they think that somehow or another that by having these things that everybody's looking at. And then you have those that have these really loud, obnoxious automobiles that are drawing people's attention. It's an attention getter. That's all that's about. And they don't care about anything else except themselves and getting that attention. A sad thing. But it happens. But what is it going to prove that you have these things when you keel over? Here's the other thing that they forget that's in the Bible. Tomorrow is not promised. I could walk out this front door of this residence right now with my two dogs and go take them for a walk. And God said, okay, it's time to come home. Or I could walk around the corner and there's a vicious man-eating, nasty, vile, untrainable pit bull come running down the sidewalk and eat both my dogs and me. Yeah, okay, so that's lending to the extreme. But, I mean, anything can happen. Anything's out there can take place. I could walk out here in a cloudy day and be struck by lightning. 
Anything can happen on the face of this earth. So why are we going to worry and fret about things that are there? And Jesus is talking and teaching. So what's the big deal? You have all these things. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples further, therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body that ye shall put on, what ye shall put on it. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, huh? for they neither sow nor reap, They don't have a storehouse or a barn. And God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than this fowls? And who of you with taking thought can add to his stature or cubit? And if ye be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? And then he continues, of course, talking about the lilies, the field and the trees and the fruit and all these things. But the point is, that how can we, by worrying about getting more and having more and no place to put it, and then you got to have... Here, i got to share this with you. Probably one of the happiest times of my life, in my life, was actually being poor and not realizing to have. You see the stuff. And of course, I wasn't walking with God as I should have been. This is why... My oldest son's mom and I are, are still on it. I wasn't walking with God as I should be. But her forgiving heart is so great. But here's a point. At our poorest, I thought the happiest. Didn't have in chasing all these things. <coughs> Didn't have these things that were fretting and, and agitation. And the more possessions and the more I was able to earn and, and go... It was driven, being driven more by that than, than uh, the word of God and staying with him and, and uh, seeking his face and being a good Christian man. I became concerned and, and exactly what Satan wanted to happen is derision and separation. See, that's his drive. That's his motivation to keep us separated, angry with one another, fighting with one another, not exhorting, not uplifting, and not praying one for another. Oh my gosh, can you imagine what kind of rustle and bustle there would be in this world if the, these folks, and what do they call themselves? Oh, the BLM. Can you imagine, instead of driving, that they're the only ones that matter and that they're more important? Can you just imagine if they were teaching and leading more as Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks were doing and the other activists that were engaged in sharing the word of God and brotherhood? and kindness toward one another. Can you imagine if this organization, which is pretty large from what I understand, can you imagine if they all turned, repented, and started walking a different direction and walked in a more godly fashion and was speaking about brotherly love and forgiveness and kindness that this powerful organization, and they are, um, if they started speaking in that way instead of the derisiveness and hatred and driving the derision and separation Wow. And other organizations that have powerful lobbies, can you imagine what would take place if instead of being driven by what they want and their derisiveness and the power, so, and, and they're so fretful and worried about all these things that go on. But see, here's the thing. Satan's involved in all this. Believe it or don't believe it. Doesn't matter to me. Well, it does. In my heart, I pray that you would and realize that it does, and he is. But who can change anything by worrying about it? You can't. You can't. But you can pray about it. You can stay in the word of God about it. But how is worrying going to change it? It doesn't. Jesus taught his disciples. How are one of you going to extend your lives, improve anything by fretting, and worrying about everything that goes on. You worry about, uh, what do they call it nowadays? Uh, oh, the swag. 
And, you know, when you see these youngsters out there, they're walking around with their pants hanging clear down to their kneecaps. And I was speaking to one father the other night and he, you know, his son was griping because he lost his wallet and it had $500 cash in it. But he had seen him many times because he had his trousers saying, and when they fall down, the material pushes the wallet up out of the pocket so you, it doesn't stay in. And he just looked at him and he said, well, pull your trousers up. And put your wallet in your pocket, it'll stay. But they're worried about that swag thing that they got, so they want to put out so people look and pay attention. How is that going to improve anything, and what is that going to prove? Like Jesus taught, nothing. How is having the most expensive automobile going to do anything? Are you going to win? What are you going to win? Nothing. So here's what... Paul writes in his letter to Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, his first letter he says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in the anointed of God, Jesus. This is what God's will is for you in Christ Jesus. Just be thankful. Be thankful that you get up in the morning and you have a breath to draw. Don't take it for granted. Get up and say, thank you, Father, for your grace and allowing me to draw this breath today and to be out there in this new day that you've already walked and walk with me and guide me. Get up and be thankful. And David writes in his book of Psalms, uh, this is in 36. For with you is the fountain of life in your light we see light. He's talking about the light of God that should be in all of us and we should be sharing that and showing it out. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Have a good day. Be blessed. And for those of you that have not done so, take the opportunity to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that God is worthy of praise and faith and that the Holy Spirit will walk and guide you. It's not an easy walk. Guarantee you that it's not promised to be that. But the thing is that God has promised to be with us always and he is with us in that walk. Have faith. Say I will, I do, let's go. Be blessed.